Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. Today, we have Road of the Trials is back with Carmen Graves. Carmen has been running incredibly well on the track as of recently, uh, as of recently, recently, I should say, and uh, specifically in the 3000 meter steeplechase, which is her main event on the track. And I couldn't wait to talk to her about it. Also, talk to her about kind of the ups and downs that goes with the uh, the track season. And for her specifically, some injury-related news that came from um, kind of signing up for a meet, uh, which was a uh, an emotional decision. She'll break it down. It's a really interesting conversation that I couldn't wait to get into. Also, she just signed with a brand new sponsor, Wazelle, and we talk all about that at the end of the podcast as well. I love the the business of sport conversations, and she was really good about opening up and talking about that process as well. Before we get into it, big shout outs to my sponsors today, Vacation Races and Lagoon. If you're looking for a really fun adventure, whether that's domestic or international, Vacation Races is the spot. There's no question about that, and Lagoon is going to be opening up, or just opened up, I should say, their 888. Eight challenge that's running eight miles a day, getting eight hours of sleep a day for eight days in a row, and that begins on August eighth. I am so excited about this. I signed up last week, and I am really pumped about that. You can go check out the URL for that in the show notes. It's it's also super easy. Just lagoonsleep.com eight x eight x eight. And um, hey, I'm excited for this. Kind of like the idea of knowing, hey, what is what am I capable of doing if I get the not only the right amount of sleep, but the optimum amount of sleep and uh there are plenty of days i get enough sleep but very few days where i get the optimum amount so i'm excited to see exactly what that looks like so let's get into it with carmen graves all right carmen welcome back <laughs> it's good to be back matt it's good to be back well hi you have been racing like crazy so road of the trials series has usually been around people who are like you know focusing on these longer events you have had a um an interesting um race basically race calendar compared to most of the people that we follow on mm-hmm. here who are again, focused more on the longer stuff. And as we talked about in, the, in your first episode, in the follow-up episode after that, is that, you know, that's not really your scene. You've been more of a track athlete your whole life. And here you are crushing. It feels like every week you're out on, you're out racing and, you know, you've been doing your thing. So I guess, first of all, how are you feeling with how the season's going so far and how's your body feeling? You know, I'm not going to um, sugarcoat it. I'm so tired. Um, you know, the last three <laughs> weeks I've been traveling to, you know, three different places. Um, Eugene, I was there for a while. Um, and then Vancouver and then L.A. just got back. I feel I feel really tired. And I think it's just been go, 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 um, you know, since right before um, U.S. champs. And um, you kind of got to, you know, um, attack when when you're feeling um fit and ready and that's kind of what i did the last month is just um you know while i'm fit i want to race um, but it's definitely caught up to me and um i'm gonna probably cut my season season a little short just because of that um, i'm gonna race my high mile next week and then um probably take a nice break after that gosh and when you're planning out your race calendar what are some of the things that you like to um, think about? Obviously, like the USATF championships is like obviously a cornerstone meet for a lot of people. But besides that, are there certain races that you'd like to hit because like they're new and like you want to try to see a new place or a new track meet? Or is there like familiarity with doing stuff that you've done before? Like how do you like to plan out the season? Um, because you know from from a long term perspective. 
Yeah, that's a good question. So um, in the past and actually this season, um, all of those things I take into consideration. Um, but I've realized um, with the new, you know, IAAF point system results that I can't really rely on doing that anymore. And um, a lot of the racing is more guided towards if it's um, higher um, points, whether it's um, gold or silver or bronze level meet and um, just, you know, um, what the competition looks like. You get more points that way and um, just trying to place higher, you get more results points. So um, I'm learning the hard way with that. I definitely, um, kind like without an agent, you know, I, I don't really, I'm navigating it by myself. Um, so I definitely um, would have changed a couple of my races um, this season, um, depending on that. Um, but yeah, I so in the past, you know, it's all about like seeing new places and familiarity. I really like going to meets that I've been to before. Um, and so, yeah, I think that now it's uh, it's going to be different this um, upcoming season and this last part of the season. It's one of the reasons why I race so much is just to, you know, raise my um, points and try to rank a little bit higher in the world. And what does ranking higher in the world and getting those points, what does that do for you as a professional versus like just running really good times at like, say, like a smaller race? Yeah. So um, I think it does a lot of things where it's you are able to get into um, bigger races like the the gold level races. Um, you're able to get into, you know, Diamond League meets. You're um, able to get um, certain meets paid for with travel and accommodations. Um, so it's just better um, setting up your season ahead. And then also if you're technically in the points and you have opportunities to go to like, uh, you know, the Pan Am games where you can get more points. Um, so there's a lot of benefit to um, all of this. And then also like, you know, if you're unsponsored, um, the higher your ranked, the more likely you are to get noticed. No, that makes sense. And it's always interesting because you have, you know, I think of, I think of a lot of people think of like track, especially it's one of the things where it's like a true meritocracy, right? We're all running mm -hmm. on a track. Like the times can be comparable, right? We're not about road racing or Lord knows trail racing. Like who knows? You can't compare those times at all. Um, you know, I feel like track, it's like one of those, like, it's like swimming, right? Like, all right, yeah. your time is your time is your time. And that could be, again, the, the meritocracy of it all. But like you said, like, that's not quite how it works. So you have to kind of dig into all of this stuff. And then obviously part of that is also the travel. So you have the IAF point system. You want to maximize that as much as possible. But as you mentioned from the start, like traveling a lot is also a wear and tear situation that provides mm -hmm. even more stress on your body in addition to all the training and racing you're doing. So how do you balance out the travel component of that, not only from the wear and tear perspective, but also just from the cost perspective, right? Like it's not like you know, the, the, some of this stuff can, can, be, can cost a lot of money, whether it's your, you know, sponsors you know fitting the bill for it i know some some athletes have stipends that they can use so you also have to decide like am i using my stipend on this versus that and, mm -hmm. and all of those considerations yeah so um definitely like need to take you know um cost into consideration when thinking of these meets um early in the season i definitely didn't go to a few meets because it was like looking at the flight it was too expensive and i couldn't make it work um and also like taking off work is um, I can only, you know, do that so many times. Um, so, yeah, there's a, the cost and then also like just being able to take off the time. Um, but, you know, um, 
I did a couple of these races. So like with Eugene, I was really lucky that Denver Athletics, um, the startup that my husband and I made, um, decided to, you know, use the resources to anybody that qualified for USAs. And so I got my flight and um, hotel paid for that way in Vancouver um, for the Harry Jerome meet. Um, they actually support athletes um, who have a certain ranking or points um, to get a hotel and flight. So I was lucky there. And then so I did have a little extra funds to go to L.A. And um, so that that was I was really lucky. But in the past, I, you know, I wouldn't have been able to go to Vancouver because maybe, you know, I ran 945 and that doesn't get me the flight. Um and the flight was pretty expensive. So I'm really thankful that they um, were able to um, help with that. And then, you know, with LA, the same thing. It was a last minute trip and flights were pretty expensive. You know, LA is <laughs> pretty expensive, but like, I'm so glad I was able to, you know, go down there and have those resources. Um, and then also with my sponsor, um, they have a certain um, stipend for travel every year. So I'm, I'm really lucky with that as well. Yeah. And how... How far in advance do you have to plan this stuff, right? Like you mentioned, like the point system can help in terms of getting into races. And like you just mentioned, like you got a certain amount of points, certain things can get covered because you're at a certain level as an athlete. With that said, like the point system always changes, right? Some of these races were like, as you mentioned, back to back to back. So like mm -hmm. you might have had a certain amount of points in, you know, May with a certain, you know, best time for that season. But that changes considerably once you get into June. So what's like the, the timeline of setting this stuff up? You know, I <laughs> I would say um, that it should be planned ahead, like at the beginning of the season, but I am so bad with that. Like, I like to go with the flow. I like to know how I feel, how much energy I have, what the field looks like. <laughs> so I've been like kind of planning them last minute. Um, I think the furthest I planned out was Drake Relays, and that was like a month before. Um, but everything else has kind of been like, last minute and my coach probably wants to kill me because of that um <laughs> but i'm just like i think there's been like maybe like three or four meets where i just booked the flight maybe a week before it's it's so bad but like it's also like i get nervous because i don't want to commit i have commitment issues no it's kidding um i don't want to like commit to something and i you know like i get a tweak or um, like it doesn't work with, you know, like something pops up at work and I can't do that. So I'm kind of last minute, but I would, if I was suggesting, I think you should plan out your, all of your races at the beginning of the season. Gotcha. So you have <laughs> raced incredibly well, right? You set a PR in your main race, a 3000 meter steeple, which is an, an exciting thing. That is for sure. Let's talk about kind of the lead up into the USATF championships, um, up in Eugene, you know, part of that, obviously, is some of the races that you mentioned, right? You ran, um, just looking at the, the list right here, you ran Gate, Ru Gate River Run 15K, which we talked about last time. Then you had the Drake Relays, and then, um, the, you know, the Track Festival out in California, and then the Music City Carnival um, down in Nashville, Tennessee, leading into that. As you're getting ready for Eugene, right, you're running some of these races to get prepped. Are you? How do you view them in terms of, like, being able to perform at your best that day versus making sure that you're ready for your best at USATF? Or is there, is there some sort of progression outlined between you and your coach to get you ready for certain races 
as opposed to other races or how does that seasonal progression uh, work or not work? Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, in a perfect world, you want to um, race off distance maybe to start your season um, and then go into your main event. So for example, maybe do like a 1500 meter um, just to get, you know, bust some rust and then do like your main event. For me, it's a steeplechase. And then maybe like in between your next steeplechase, do like a 5K or something just to keep racing, um, but just kind of take the pressure off. I would say I, <laughs> I, I, my racing was not ideal. And I, starting off at Drake Relays was great. Um, I, it was my fastest opener ever, but I didn't, for some reason in my mind, um, I didn't realize it was my fastest until like later. So I was like kind of like annoyed and upset that I got fourth. Um, but yeah, it was my fastest. So that was a great start to the season. Um, but in my mind, it was like, oh no, like I didn't run fast enough. And so I last minute decided to go to the track fest. And it was probably the mistake of the season is just to like, it was more of like an emotional, impulsive decision. I bought a flight like at the airport, like after the race. <laughs> it was so dramatic. And I was like, I'm going to race faster. And it was such a bad move because, you know, I was tired and um, I went out and I, I just like went out too fast. Very, still very emotional. I just should have like, just like been like, okay, that's, that's a solid start to my season. Let's move on to the next one, but made a very emotional decision, ran like absolute dog shit and then injured my foot on top of that. Oh God. So, <laughs> yeah. So that was the mistake of the season that really set me back. Um, so I had to, um, kind of adjust, um, what I planned on doing. I, I planned on doing um, the USATF, um, the distance Grand Prix, I think it's called, the long distance, or the the one that was after the track fest, instead of the track fest. It's like a gold level meet. It's the one that Maddie Borman won. Um, so I, I was planning on doing that, but had to cancel that because of my emotional decision. And so I kind of was just getting back. I actually thought it was like a stress fracture, a stress reaction. I was so worried. I had to take like five days off from running. I was at that point, I was just like, my season's over. I was like, all like dramatic and stuff like that. But I was able to like start running on it. It hurt like really bad. Um, and I went to a P my PT, Gina uh, Fick, and um, she basically was like, it seems like it's a joint issue um, because, you know, it, it was swollen. It was like the size. I don't even know. It was just like very, very fat. <laughs> and like com compared to my other toe, you could definitely tell there was something wrong. But yeah, it was basically I freaked out. I was I, I'm not used to getting injured. So I freak out every time I thought the worst possible thing. And that kind of like just put like just halted my motivation um and so I just was kind of going day by day and my coach worked with me and day by day and then I was able to get to a point where I was running on it um and then I was able to do a workout on it but it still like would swell up after every single run I did um so I was still afraid that it was a stress reaction so I was just like 
screw it. I'm just going to keep running. Like, what else do I have to do? Like most runners do when they should probably just shut it down. But it actually worked out and um, just kind of went like day by day, uh, week by week, workout by workout and just monitored it. And I would say it didn't um, stop bothering me until the week before um, U.S. Champs. And that's because I started to taper and stopped irritating it. And so that week I was like, okay, let's do this. Um, but yeah, that, that was. I, I have so many follow up questions. There. I got so many. All right. So, first of all, did you do any increased cross training during that oh. time? All right, folks, get ready for the biggest virtual event ever in the world of sleep and fitness is the 8x8x8 challenge presented by Lagoon beginning, of course, on August 8th, right? 8-8, got to do it on August 8th. Over the course of eight days, you'll run eight miles each day and be in bed for eight hours of sleep every night. So as your way of showing your commitment to fitness and to optimize your rest and your recovery. So just go to lagoonsleep.com slash eight by eight by eight that's eight x eight x eight to get started in addition to that you also save 10 percent a 10 percent discount on all the stuff over at lagoon sleep my lagoon pillow is a godsend it really is i sleep so well on that thing and it's just it's easily the best pillow i've ever had and it's obviously going to stand the test of time has a five-year guarantee i mean my goodness this thing is an absolute game changer so complete the challenge and share your journey to win exclusive prizes from lagoon so Prove what you got when it takes when it comes to sleep and fitness and also see what you're capable of. That's what I'm so excited about this. See what you're capable of doing in eight days with the kind of sleep that comes with that. So, again, that's lagoonsleep.com, eight by eight by eight to get started today. So I'm just going to say right now, I, I don't cross train. And that's because I'm scarred of cross training from actually when I did have a hard like a bad injury at in Atlanta with Atlanta Track Club they had me cross train like two hours a day. And I honestly, when I came back, I like, it didn't help. Like I'm the type of runner that like, I need to run to be good at running. And I feel like there's like, you know, Colin Quigley that can like cross train, like, and do like a 20 minute run in like a week and like PR, that's not me. <laughs> and so I just don't cross train. I'm like at the point in my life where if I can't run, then I'm just not gonna run. Okay. There you so go. No, right. I did not. <laughs> that, that, that's right. I appreciate the honesty. Um, yeah. So, all right, let me ask you another question then, especially with like feet and a lingering and a lingering issue there. So often part of the reason people like a PT will tell you to shut it down or, or to lay off of it isn't necessarily the injury itself, but the potential domino effect that that injury can create upstream. Right. So mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're compensating and, and so on and so forth. And, and we see these see these sorts of things all the time with so many sports, not just running. So was it just like a roll of the dice or did you do anything to try to make sure that that sort of domino effect didn't happen? Or obviously you were aware of this when you were doing it. So just walk me through that part of it. Yeah. You know, I just kind of it came to the point where I was after I realized it wasn't a bone injury. It was all about just managing it. It was just managing the pain because in the like the swelling um, and making sure it didn't get worse. So it's just like, you know, um, going to PT, um, stretching, um, icing, Epsom salt, just anything to kind of like bring down the swelling after my run. Um, 
and also like cutting my run short if I if I needed to, if it was too much um, or if I was compensating. So I would say like I realized that I could keep training, um, but and I could keep doing workouts and keep getting fit um, or maintain my fitness. Um, and I feel like everything else was just, it didn't really matter as long as I could get through the workouts and just maintain, like if it didn't get worse, it's a good day. Got it. I love that. All right. So you mentioned before, like Colin Quigley can PR off like running 20 minutes and doing all this stuff. Right? Let, let, it's ridiculous. You know, let's, let's go, first of all, let's look at your ridiculousness because you break, you did the same thing. You're coming off an injury and you PR too. So yeah, you, yeah. you had, you know, a remarkable season, you know, especially coming from that point. It's not like you were like healthy and like, I'm nailing everything. PR city. Here I come. Right. Like you yeah. had this, uh, a, a um, less than desirable lead up into USATF championship. So let's also talk about like, just the training there. Right. So you mentioned like, all right, this is what it looked like from a health perspective and things I had to be aware of and, and make sure it didn't get worse. Okay. So how did, like, how would a week look like for you in terms of the runs that you would do, the mileage, the segmentation, whether it's like you're running doubles, obviously you're going to be working at the same time. And at the end, how would that compare to previous years, especially if you were, say, at full health? Um, yeah, I think so for me, um, I really hit like the last month. Usually, typically, I usually hit the last month really hard. Like you, I more of like, um, like just, you know, basically just get fit enough, just get fit enough. Don't do anything crazy. Be very conservative with training. And then the last month leading up to us champs, it's like, let's go for it. Really hard workouts. Um, you know, like just, you know, getting everything possible in, um, because I feel like I personally can manage the high intensity the stress of all that um within a month i can't do that for two or three months but for me it's like that month leading up it's just like go 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 um, can you compare and contrast like the like a conservative week versus yeah. like a hardcore week uh i guess um leading up to the season it'd be um you know like a a tempo or a threshold um I think in the past I would do like five to six miles of that. Um, and I guess like compared to what I was doing, it'd be more like 3K, 4K of that. And maybe like a little bit of fast stuff at the end. Um, I would do lots of strides, but strides actually really bothered my toe. So I skipped, I, I don't think, I don't even remember the last time I've done strides. Um, just because it would bother my foot after a run. Like I would get through like a run and I couldn't do strides. So strides were out where typically I would do like 10 by a hundred meter strides um, fast um, just to keep that speed. And then I would have a harder track session um, later in the week. That's more of like race pace, faster than race pace, um, high volume, a little bit um, more than actual um, race distance. And then, um, I would say that this season it was more of just like, you know, just enough to get that stimulus. I would say um, just a little bit over or equal to race distance. Um, and then 
uh, like a really hard long run, like, you know, 14 to 15 miles progression. Let's go for it. But this was more of like, at that point, um, I was just trying to like get through it. Um, whereas like I could typically go like under seven minute pace, um, with the progression part of it. And then this was like seven thirty eight minute pace, just like time on legs, um, where I just felt like my toe was already inflamed. So I didn't want to make it worse. All right. So this begs the question, what about this training cycle led to your fastest ever result at the distance that you've spent the most time at, especially we haven't even talked about this part. Your toe hurts to the point where like you can't do strides, but you're doing the steeplechase <laughs> and you're landing on, you're going over hurdles. You're going through water jumps. You're landing mm-hmm. on stuff. You're jumping off other things. Like if strides hurt, I guess I'll, 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 I'll preempt the whole, like, how did this happen? Part of this question and dive right into like, if strides hurt. Yeah. How, like, how did you practice for like the steeple elements? leading in or did you just like pass on that and just go with experience you know i think to be honest i think my my coach was really great with me just like getting in as much as we could without hurting the foot i think she was really great julie benson was really great with just working with me with that um i was able to do um some hurdle work um I, I learned how to like tape my foot up like in a certain way. And it's weird because strides being on my toe um, and doing strides after like an easy run would really, really hurt. I'd be like doing strides with basically like one foot and just kind of like tiptoeing on the other. I was like, this isn't worth it. I'm not doing that. But like some for some reason, like jumping over a hurdle and landing, if I was able to land correctly, like with good form, it did not bother my toe when it was taped. So I was able to get in some hurdles. Um, but yeah, I I didn't really practice the water jump that often. I was really, really afraid. Like leading up to champs, I was really, really afraid that I would, because I, I mean, with adrenaline, I'm going to get through, I'm going to get through that first race. I'm going to get through prelims with my foot hurting me or not, it was the in-between that I was really worried about. I was like, I, I can make finals, um, but I don't know if I can run finals. Um, so that's where my head was at going into USA's. And then it kind of started to shift after my taper into my first race. And I was like, I think, I think I'm ready. I think I can get through prelims and finals. But yeah, I think just, you know, managing my toe um when it was inflamed just kind of like taking it easy when it felt good go go hard um so yeah that's kind of like how i handled it all right so what did you learn from this training cycle that you can utilize in the future knowing that like you didn't go quite as hard as you've gone in the past but you still had you know a really good result at usa's yeah kind of going back to um your your other question um i think just the experience. I've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. I did take like a three to four year break in between there, but like, I know how to hurdle. Like I'm good with hurdling. I don't need to hurdle to have confidence to hurdle. Um, I need to know that it doesn't hurt to have confidence. Um, but like, yeah, just literally being consistent every year, um, for the last three to four years, I think 
that's the biggest thing is just like, if you're consistent and healthy on the line, then there's no reason that you can't run your best. Gotcha. So uh, availability is the best ability. Yeah, there case. you go. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. All right, let's talk about USAs because you know you've run, you've run this in the past. Like last year, you finished seventh in the final and you ran nine forty. This year, uh, ninth overall, but eight seconds faster. I mean, this is a huge amount, right? You ran nine thirty two this year. So I guess heading into USAs, if I had told you you had made the final and run nine thirty two, independent of where you finish in the field, where would you feel? How would you have felt about that if you had learned about that ahead of time? I'd say top five. Yeah. And so that's that's one of the things that was interesting, um, a little bit bittersweet. Right. So you go into the race, you're ready, you're ready to run fast. And I don't know, I I wasn't really looking at the time, but I knew that I was, you know, doing well for myself and crossing the line um, and seeing, you know, 932, a, a nice PR was like, so exciting but then also just being like but i got ninth and and knowing that if i got eighth i would have gotten um like 40 extra points for my result score whereas ninth was zero so that that's one of the things that like little things like that really set you back so it's like bittersweet and i think like like you said like if you actually thought about this question too it's like if you were to go in like made finals 932, I'd be like top five, let's go. Um, but it just speaks to like how competitive the steeplechase is getting and how um, just how good the U.S. is. If you like other countries like, you know, Australia and Canada, like I've been racing against a lot of these girls that are running, you know, the same times as me or slower and they're like a shoe in for worlds. So it's like interesting. Um, I think that it's um, it just speaks to how badass the U.S. is. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So you so you would have taken a nine thirty two heading into mm. USA's, obviously. Like, but you're a competitor, right? So when you're going into the final, how much? I guess in terms of like you know strategy pie how big is the slice of like i'm competing here and i'm racing off my competitors and how much of it is like all right i also know myself and this is the kind of pacing that i need to consider yeah i think for me i i knew the pace was going to be hot um obviously you have um emma coburn uh courtney you have um chrissy you have uh marissa like the pace is going to be hot. They're all, they all have way faster PRs than me. And I, I knew from the track fest, the sound running track fest that, mm, no, I'm not going to go out with Courtney because it ends up me jogging the last lap in 80 seconds, you know? So it's like one of those things where it's like, I did learn from, like, if anything, I did learn from that, where it's like, I need to run my own race. Um, I need to do what feels right to me. And in, in my mind, I'm like, People are going to be excited. They're going to go out. It's the finals. Um, they don't have as much experience as me, but I, I need to, you know, stay confident in my race and, you know, try to pass people the last like 800, 600. I think it worked well for me. Hey folks, let's talk about vacation races. So vacation races host half marathons, ultra marathons, and trail running festivals at national parks around the country in week-long running adventures 
all around the world. These global adventures offer daily 7 to 12K trail runs in the morning and afternoon activities that include high, like, high adventure things like glacier treks, zip lining, whitewater rafting, or cultural activities like wine tasting, falconry, his, uh, historic tours, cooking classes, just these things, they offer just such a wide range of things. If you're worried about pace, don't be. They require runners to maintain around a 20-minute mile pace. So as long as, you can, as long as you're basically moving with purpose, you're going to be just fine. These adventures are all all-inclusive, which means hotels, in-country transportation, meals, drinks, activities, and swag are all covered in the trip. And they just announced their full 2024 calendar which you're going to want to check out. Again, I know we just started 2023, but you got to plan these trips way in advance, and that's exactly what they're trying to do. They have 11 different destinations. Examples are like Alaska, Costa Rica, Croatia, Ecuador, Iceland, Ireland, Japan, New Zealand, Patagonia. So many. It really is remarkable. You can go check them out at vacationraces.com. New customers can use Rambling 200 for $200 off any global adventure trip that is not currently sold out. Also, you can use code RAMBLING15 for 15% off any of the half marathons or ultra marathon adventures that are not currently sold out. So remember, it's code RAMBLING200 for the global adventures and RAMBLING15 for 15% off the half marathon or ultra marathons. Yeah, absolutely. And and. You know, it's it's so tricky. I know it can be so tricky, right? For for like to be in that situation of like trying to maximize your own potential, but also making sure that you're you know have an eye towards the competition and you know following breaks and, and you know who do I key off of and people like that. Are there people in the field that you look at like okay, this is someone who I'm going to keep a close eye on because either like you want to key off of them or you view them as like clo- as a closely aligned to like your ability or like or for any other reason, right? Or, or just you view like hey, this person runs the kind of race that I want to run or or anything like that. Like is there people in the field that you would, you know, really try to keep an eye on more than others? Um, I think for me, um, I was thinking Gabby Jennings, um, was like, she ran like 932 earlier in the season. She's pretty steady with things. Um, she's a steady runner. I was also thinking Colleen Quigley is a very steady runner where instead of like, they're very seasoned runners as well, where it's like, they're not going to like go crazy and then fall off. But that actually kind of happened Logan Jolly I was like okay like that'd be someone good to key off of but it was just it didn't really work out because um Gabby actually did go out with everybody and then um Colleen just didn't race and then Logan was way back there and ended up passing me at the end so it's like I just kind of like got into a rhythm and just kind of threw out who I was around out the door I was just like just stay steady and then try to pass as many people as possible at the end. And I think it worked well. Right. And I'm looking at the um, watch athletics page right now, looking at uh, the results, which I, I looked at before and I was like, this has, is this right? Like, I don't, I don't have enough institutional knowledge to be like, to fact check a website. Like, like yeah. at first, at first glance, but you're like, all right, fast. Chrissy gear, PB, Emma Coburn, season's best, you know, Olivia PB, 
Marissa, season's best. Kaylee, yeah. PB. Logan, PB. Lexi, PB. Carmen, PB. It's like, yeah. okay, everyone's had a PB almost in this race. So, like, yeah. when you see that, and I guess this is a broader question because we're seeing records fall all over the place, right? It feels mm -hmm. like every weekend it's like record watch. Like, which records fell this weekend? It's not like if a record fell. It's like, which ones and how many? What's it like as someone who's in the community seeing this? just at, at so many different distances where like this just seems to be the norm right now where like it's just records are going down whether it's personal bests or just actual records like we saw you know nikki take down the american record uh in the in the it was in the mile this this yeah, past the weekend mile. And, that was that was wild and alicia munson doing doing amazing doing amazing work as well like just as a as a participant and a fan of the sport generally speaking what's it been like seeing just this <laughs> rising tide you know, I'm going to be honest, I'm getting a little bit numb to it. <laughs> it's like, oh, another record, another like U.S. record, another world record. Like, I'm actually just like, oh, that's cool. Whereas first at first it was like exciting. But I'm going to be honest, it just it just seems like it's Christmas and everybody's getting a present, you know. <laughs> I love that. Well, um <laughs> Any thoughts on what's leading into this sort of like, again, this rising tide nature of everything? Or is this just like how the sport goes? Like in terms of like this is just the natural evolution of, of you know, every couple of years you're going to see this sort of improvement and you yeah, know, stuff like that. I don't know. So what do you think? Do you think more records are being broke by like women or men? I feel like a lot are being broken by more like women, in my opinion. That's a good question. But, like lately, at least, I just feel like it's just getting so competitive. And I feel like, for example, the steeple, like, wasn't really an Olympic event until, was it like 2016? I just feel like a lot more people are, a lot more women are, um, you know, getting into the sport. And I mean, like, there's also, you know, super shoes and all of that. I just feel like it's... I don't know. I could say the same thing like 10 years ago where it's like something happens and a lot of people are like breaking records. I feel like it seems like pretty crazy now, but I feel like it's just one of those like booms where we boom and then we settle and then we boom and then we settle. Um, but yeah, I don't, I can't put my finger on exactly what it is. I've definitely thought about it too. And I don't want to just say it's the shoes because that's an easy out. Um, but I think it could be a combination of things. Um, just, you know, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I actually don't know. What do you think? You tell me. Lord knows, I don't know, I'm just a podcaster sitting in his basement. I have no idea. Um, I do wonder, like, if there are advances. I mean, you're seeing this, you know, across sports and things like that. But I also wonder, like, are there training advancements that, that maybe people are, are, are seeing? Um, I know there's some people who point to, like, advancements in nutrition. I also wonder, like, that might be, that might make sense for more endurance racing. That doesn't make yeah. maybe as much sense on the track. Like, you don't see, like, Alicia ripping out a gel at, like, the no. 2K mark on the track. You know what I mean? So, like, that yeah. might be the case for the Tour de France and the marathon, but, like, that doesn't make a lot of sense from the track perspective, right? So, like, I think, I, I do wonder how this plays a part, but you also make a good point. Like, all right, is this more on the women's side than on the men's side? I mean, we're seeing, I think on the men's side, we're seeing, like, 
consistently great performances. Yeah. Like you see like the Washington like track team, like all seven like scores, like and, and like oh, it, like five guys in one meet broke four four minutes in the mile. Yeah. Like, that's insane. Again, that's not a record breaking performance, but that is like an insane performance. Like yeah. in terms of like the depth, right? And and things like that. So I don't know. It is it is really exciting. Lord knows, but I think it's interesting. Yeah. Also, I think it's interesting too that like we're seeing this from people who have um, it's not like someone's like, oh well, who's Nikki? You know, they they haven't been around very long. It's like no, they've been here for a while, right? Because so mm-hmm. I think the consistency element that you brought up, and again, Alicia, like Alicia, like she's was an you know an excellent college runner and it continued to build and build and build. So, um, and then Faith, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what you can say about Faith. I mean, yeah. Breaking wow. the mile record by four and a half seconds. Like, I don't even know what that, I don't even know how to how compute that. that happen? Yeah. Who knows? I, I don't know. I think it's I mean, like, she's, she's a whole, she's whole, like, straight away ahead of Nikki, who set the American record in the race. Yeah, she's like, wild. She's Nikki wild. was on the, I was like, he was on the turn when Faith finished. <laughs> like, what, I is, can't what does that my, mean? I can't wrap my head around it, to be honest. Like, I'd be so happy to run a 1500 at that, at that time. <laughs> Like, I'll just run my own race there. Um, But yeah, I just, I honestly just think it's also just human nature where it's like, if someone ups the ante, like, naturally, you're going to find a way to try to beat that. And that's just how we are. And yeah, we have all these advancements and stuff like that. We're going to use those to our advantage. But it's just like, I think it's just human nature. And it's like, if she can do it, I can do it um, type of mentality. For sure. So, do we? Th- do you think this is going to continue in Budapest? Are we going to see like just record city down in, in, at Worlds, or is it just different because all of a sudden, like maybe they won't have? Um, is it, you know? I think sometimes at these events we see more tactical racing mm-hmm. as opposed to like basically like concurrent time trials where everyone's just like busting it from the gun and seeing and seeing yeah. what they what they can run in that race. You know, I would say on the sprint side, um, we're going to see records. Um, but on the distance side, it's more, like you said, tactical where it's like, it's going to be fast times. They're all going to be fast times, but it's all about position and, um, you know, placing and everybody wants to be top three. Right. And everybody thinks that they have the best kick. (laughs) It's like, so it's going to be a little slower, I think. Right. Right. I love the fact that like, it was it Segei who won the 5,000 for the women like her kick was almost exactly the same as faith's kick i think there was only like three quarters of a second difference between faith's kick wow. in the mile which obviously was historic she was like set the record by four and a half seconds but i think she ran like 59 six but sagay's kick in the by, by kick i mean the last 400 meters um in the 5k was like 60.8 it's like not yeah. far off that's wild even though it was like again it was three times the distance um all right, let's talk about one thing that, that also happened in your life uh-huh. heading into USA's was you signed with Wazelle, a, a, a sponsorship announcement that we saw right before USA's. Obviously, that is something that doesn't just happen, right, like the, in the week leading into it. So I guess, first of all, what was that process like in terms of working with a, a new potential sponsor, especially considering the fact that like you were battling an injury at the time, which might have, may have or may not have complicated the issue, and the fact that for a lot of people, when they, they see you and they know you as someone who was with Tracksmith for a long time before, as someone who's been in a lot of the Tracksmith ads and lookbooks and all of the things that are associated with that brand, you know, for a couple of years. Yeah. One thing I would suggest um, 
yeah, just don't don't talk about your injury if you're talking to a sponsor. (laughs) 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 That that can be left um, out. Um, but, um, so yeah, it was an interesting process. Like I, I don't have an agent and, um, so I, I posted something, but like basically, well, no, I, I spoke to women's running, um, and I just explained to them, I was like, you know, I gave up after I turned 30 after like 2021, um, when we had the Olympic trials, I gave up on trying to get a sponsor, um, with, you know, a lot of things, um, that were against me were, especially an individual sponsor. I was done going and, uh, going to travel to different teams and places and relocating. I was not, that's not the lifestyle I want to have. Um, you know, I want to be in a place like Colorado where I want to be. I don't, I don't want to, jump place to place. So for me, I really didn't think that an individual sponsorship was possible unless I went to the marathon, Um, which there's a little bit, you know, you're older. I feel like that, like, this is the the prime age to run, like between your 30s and 40s for women. Um, So yeah, I kind of gave up on um, getting sponsors. So I just focused on myself. I focused on my own running, um, you know, um, tried to build my own brand. And I think it did catch Wazelle's eye, I think, um, I guess, apparently. Um, so um, Justine um, Fedronic, she reached out to me, um, like, I don't know, about a month out from USA's and um, wanted to have a conversation about Wazelle. So I was open to it, you know, um, Tracksmith is you know, a great company and they do what they can to support um, uh, athletes. But, you know, I wasn't getting paid for Tracksmith. Um, I was getting, you know, like the ASP programs, just free clothes. Um, But I think I realized that a lot of people thought I was sponsored by Tracksmith. And that might have been a reason why I wasn't getting reached out to some people. You know, I'm in the ads all the time. And um, I think, you know, I would say I'm one of the faces of Tracksmith um, and that is like a part of my running identity. Um, that was basically part of my running identity for a, a while. And so it was surprising when um, Wazelle did reach out. And um, so we talked about kind of like what my relationship was with Tracksmith. And she even thought that, you know, I was being sponsored by Tracksmith. So um, talked about that, talked about goals, talked about what I was looking for, what they're looking for. And it just seemed like everything aligned. Um And so came back with an offer, um, kind of talked back and forth and um, found something that worked for both of us. And um, yeah, that's kind of how it went. And for me, I, I really actually like, I didn't realize that I, (laughs) I didn't think that I would work for their brand in my mind. I'm like, oh, that's interesting that Wazelle's reaching out to me. But then I thought about it. I'm like, I actually do really work for their brand. Um, Everything that they believe in, I believe in too. And it's just funny that initially I didn't like think of myself as like this. I don't know. I think of them like, you know, Lauren Fleshman as like this badass, like you're not like just speak your mind type of woman that's like, I am going to, you know, I'm not going to be the shut up and run type of 
like girl. And I feel like I actually am that way. So I think after thinking about them, like this actually makes sense to me. And was that proactively brought up in discussions by them in terms of they, they are definitely, especially within the running community, a very mission driven company. So with that being the case, what were your conversations with, with the brand about that part of it? Not only what they believe in, but what you believe in and amplifying those sorts of ideals. Yeah. So um, we're still having the conversation, which is something that I really appreciate. Um, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I really believe in, you know, diversity and inclusion, and that's something that they believe in. And it's easy for like brands to put that on their website, but to actually act on, on that and like put their money where their mouth is, is huge. So that's something that really, um, drove me to them. But I think, so right now the conversation is ongoing and we're going to work together, which is awesome. Like, I don't, I don't think like a Nike sponsorship would be the type of thing I'm looking for at this point in my life. I, I really want, um, a team that I can work with to spread both of our messages together and, um, have a, a say in how that looks. So that's kind of what I'm excited to, to work on. Yeah, that's really exciting. That is for sure. So speaking of things to work on in the past, kind of your season usually kind of, you know, ends around Labor Day ish, right? From a track perspective. So as you're thinking about the fall up ahead and what we've talked about in the past of like potentially trying to qualify for the Olympic trials via the half marathon, what does the potential or defined schedule look like coming up? Um, that's a good question. You know, you know, my track record is just kind of going with the flow, which I can't do that. Uh, you know, this is a Olympic year and I, I really do need to, um, kind of figure out what I'm doing. I'm getting a lot of suggestions like, Oh, you should do CIM. You should do, um, like Houston, you should do Valencia. Like, and so I, I'm actually going to, you know, when I take my break after this next race, I'm going to, I'm going to really reflect on what that looks like. But right now I have no idea and I am open to suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. Oh, no. <laughs> I feel like you're going to get a lot. That's for sure. I would say this, don't go for Houston if you're trying to get the trials because it falls outside the window. That's really my only suggestion. Okay, Nothing wrong well, with Houston, but I'm not doing Houston. <laughs> But that would, that would be if the goal is to qualify for the trials, maybe not. But who knows? Maybe this is the thing, too. Is like I remember it was when it was 2020 and it was like before the COVID lockdown. There yeah. were some people who were like, you know what? The trials is February 29th or whatever. Like no one's going to come back and run Boston if they run the trials. No. So yeah. I know there were some people who were like, you know what? If I don't go to the trials, because I don't think I'm going to qualify, but I go run Boston, I might be top American at Boston yeah. because no one's there. That's so there's true. Gonna be like, That's true. So That's again, funny. not that I'm advocating anything, but like it does like you start going down that rabbit hole. You're like, wait, what are the possibilities here? This is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just need to talk to my coach and um, yeah, get some suggestions and kind of see what that looks like, because I do want to... I don't want to become like, I don't want to 
get that, you know, marathon shuffle. I want to keep my speed. So it, training might look a little different. Um, and, you know, uh, yeah, we'll see if I do stick with my original plan, just going for the half um, or just say F it and go for the marathon. <laughs> Right, right. You know, for sure. It's like, I'm, I'm trying to think of like popular half marathons. And I said this to you even before we even started recording, like I've run the Richmond half. You've, you know, you've spent a lot of time in your life in Virginia. Like that is a great half marathon because the crowd support is actually, it's legit. Like there's crowd support the whole way, which yeah. is like a really exciting thing. Like a lot of races don't have that, especially like the non-majors, right? To have like the whole course, like, hey, well, this is people all over the place. This is fun. CIM is going to be crazy. See, I, oh. I, I, I can't wait. No. I'm going to go there. It's going to be like, as crazy as it was in, tw in 2019. Oh, God. Um, it's going to so be even crazy. crazier this year because the window is, the last day of the window is at CIM. <laughs> That's the, like the last one. That's the last day. So like, I was I was like joking with people at CIM were on the phone yesterday. I'm like, it's going to be funny. Like, no one's going to even be paying attention to the winner. They're just going to be paying attention to the packs, the OTQ yeah. packs. Like, that's going to be the whole thing. It's like a whole teardrop of people will be around that, you know, that that pack. And it's going to be – I remember talking to Peter Bromka after CIM 2019. It's like the magic of that group was, like, so intoxicating. It was, like, 50 to – for him, for him in particular, it was, like, these 50 to 60 guys, like – it wasn't competition. It was like, we are in this together. There, there's, mm -hmm. there's no competitive element in here. We're all just trying to like build each other up and to yeah. try to get it. And it was like, oh, this is, it's, I can imagine that being intoxicating. I love that. Yeah. And I, I went to CIM to do that year to do a relay with Neely Gracie because she was just getting back. And um, so we both did a half and I ran as hard as I could, I was the second, the second leg. So, um, she got me the, I guess, wristband, baton, whatever you want to call it, um, ahead of the, um, the group that was trying to qualify for OTQ. And I was running as hard as I could. And I was running like six thirties and which I like could do all day now, like in a long run. But like at the time I was like, dying at 6 30 and then just this huge crowd of ladies just like come up <laughs> on me I'm like what the heck is this and I'm like I'll just go with them I'll just go with them so I tried going with them and I'm like no I can't and they're running the full marathon I'm just <laughs> I'm like six miles in and they're like passing me and so that was humiliating um but also really cool to see that they're just like a force Oh my God. I know. I, I remember interviewing like for the next six weeks on the podcast, like all my interviews were like people who did something amazing at CIM. Right? Yeah, it was yeah. like endless content. It was so exciting. And I feel like this year, again, it will be no different. It will be no different. Again, there was no backstop for Houston. Houston was the backstop last time. In fact, a lot of people ran yeah. both. You saw a lot of people do oh, the wow. CIM and then go right back into it for Houston, which is why like you see a lot of those pictures of like, you know, when, when Tommy Ribs got sick, you saw a lot of the Houston pictures. Yeah. And it's him with like some of the women's leaders. So, so, so like there's the women who ran the half in preparation for the Olympic marathon trials marathon. Mm -hmm. It's because it was like six weeks out. So a lot of the women ran the Houston half. Yeah. And it was the same exact pace as the men's OTQ marathon field. <laughs> So you see like Sarah Hall and like Tommy Rives next to each other. Like, yeah. what is this? Why does this make like, what is race is this? <laughs> right. But it was like, again, it was like, cause she's out there. She's running again, like a, a 108, a 109, just, you know, like 
again, it's a hard, it's a hard effort for her, but like just yeah. getting ready for the marathon for him, it's like, he's right on pace to try to get the trials. And it's like <laughs> such, so an inter- such interesting graphics and, and a fun, a fun story as well. Honestly, I might avoid CAM just for that reason. I think it's just, I don't know. There's just so many people and like, uh, maybe that's my mindset right now where I'm just like over like races and humans. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> like when, like at the LA meet, um, I, I can't even get through a warm up, and people are just, we're, we're saying hi to each other. It's like the running community is so small. It's just like, what was I doing? Oh yeah. I have to race in 10 minutes and we're having like a conversation. I saw Nico, um, one of the guys from the trials, he was running the 5k and he said hi to me, so that was pretty cool. But like, it's just like so, like so many people. I can't imagine going to CIM and just being like, oh my god, like I can't concentrate. I have to like oh, isolate yeah. myself. If, if you're one of those people where like other, if other people are like energy vampires to you, like I would not suggest it. <laughs> like you better be someone who can feed off the energy of others, or else you're going to be drained by mile four. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it just depends on who you surround yourself with, but I totally agree with that. You know, if there's, there's definitely some energy vampires out there, you just gotta protect yourself. (laughs) Right. It's like, I remember like, like the, and I I always reference this, like the early days of triathlon, like Dave Scott and Mark Allen, like they were like direct competitors. They were equals in every way, but they were also polar opposites. Like Mark Allen's like, shield me away from everybody. I just want to be in like, like a cocoon leading in Mm -hmm. where Dave Scott's like, people gave him energy. So he just wanted to be out in public all the time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's I'm I'm both in different situations. Um, it just depends on my mood. I'm like so moody sometimes. Like I just want like not even like like grumpy. I'm more of just like sometimes I'm introverted, sometimes I'm extroverted, and right now I'm just feeling introverted. <laughs> well, I appreciate you sharing all of the stuff here on the podcast today. I, I really appreciate it. Your, your open honesty and your wit. It's really appreciated. So Carmen, thank you so much and good luck the rest of the summer. Thanks, Matt.